the Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 223 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost, and today we are going to talk schedules. I'm going to talk about the Syracuse schedule for 2023. We're going to talk Cornell, we're going to talk Penn, and then we're going to talk Denver. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the crap out of the podcast video or audio version. You can see the video version on both YouTube and on Spotify. So if you really want to mix between listening and watching where you think relevant, Spotify is probably the best place for you to watch it because you can enjoy both the audio and the video and you can actually switch between the two as you're going on. Uh, And then you can always go to laxfactor.com. We put both uh, the audio and the video version on each blog post that's tied to each of the videos. And the blog post is my full notes mixed up with uh, the audio and the video all all jumbled together. And then as always, if you go to our website, you can also buy some merch here. We've got our Club Lacrosse All-Star t-shirt, a bunch of t-shirts and crap like that, either branded by the podcast or just randos that we design and crap like that. So I'm going to shut the hell up and we are going to dive right into the first one I want to talk about here. And I'm doing this all through the lens of the Lacrosse Bucket website, lacrossebucket.com. Tanner does a great job of covering a lot of this real niche stuff that others don't get too deep into, and Tanner does. So I want to kind of go through his schedule uh, pieces for each of these that we're going to talk about, and then we'll compare this year's schedule to last year's schedule a little bit. So let's dive into Syracuse first. Their 2023 schedule made a bunch of people angry because as we scroll down here to the bottom and we get ahead of ourselves, the teams that they dropped, Stony Brook isn't even, doesn't even count as a team drop. They rarely ever play Stony Brook. Uh, the Army-West Point rivalry and the Cornell rivalry are now dead unless they meet each other in the tournament. Now, the Army-West Point one I get to a degree, but uh, what a lot of people are calling here is they're saying, well, this is just Syracuse trying to make their schedule easier. That's not what they did, not by a long shot, if you really go in and look at it, and we'll dive into it here a little bit. I don't like them ditching Army, you know, but I, I, I get it. They ditch Army, they add Maryland. That's pretty much the trade-off. Yes, they played both of those teams last year, so many are going to say, no, 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 they ditched Army and they added a, a fluffy, you know, easy, easy win team into the mix there. Yes, and they, but they kind of needed to. You know, most teams didn't play the the type of schedule that Syracuse played last year, and they had to get another winnable game on the schedule, and they had to ditch one of those fifty fifty games off of the schedule. I think that was important because the ACC doesn't have that automatic qualifier, and they're having to play two ACC teams twice. So you got six ACC games against four teams. It makes it brutal, and I like. I don't like that they ditched Army. But I do like that they had Army removed from the schedule and replaced the, them with a winnable game. Now, I would have rather seen Maryland just go. I, I'd rather they didn't play Maryland during the regular season. But like Gary Gate is probably coming from an area of, hey, Army's a, a good and tough game, but we want to play the best, which is what they do between now playing Maryland and then the, the whole ACC gauntlet that they play. And the one I'm really upset about is Ditch and Cornell. Uh, Cornell's a longtime rivalry. That was one of my favorite games to go to. I tried to go every other year, even though I didn't make it. But more often than not, when Syracuse played at Cornell, I found myself sitting in those stands at Cornell, rooting on Syracuse. And it was always a, a great atmosphere, weeknight game under the lights, usually still pretty cold. Uh, and that it's just a great place to watch a lacrosse game. So that is the one that I don't like, especially because it seems they replaced Cornell with Princeton. So I don't even get that. You know, I don't understand that one. But if we look at the schedule, the, the thing I like mainly about the way this schedule is broken down 
is that it's it's a it gives you a little bit of a streak where you can rattle some wins together in between playing their typical gauntlet. So if we look at this, Vermont to start the season, Albany, and then Holy Cross. Now, if they handle their business, yes, they lost to Albany last year on the road. They should not have. But if they handle their business, they should be 3-0 and heading into the four-game stretch that is brutal, which is Maryland, Carolina, Duke, and Hopkins. So the only game that you should you could say in this four-game brutal stretch that they should win, at least traditionally the way it's gone more you know lately, and I think the way the teams are made up for this upcoming season, I think that that's their best chance of getting a win here. I think they should be 3-0 and heading into these three, and then this four-game stretch is huge because if they could even just go 1-3 and over this four-game stretch, then they're sitting at 4-3 and heading into another very winnable stretch of games against Hofstra, St. Bonaventure, and Hobart. Even if they, But if they could get lucky and they go 2-2, two and two, over this four-game stretch right here. Now they're sitting at five and two heading into another very winnable stretch here. So let's say they do that. Let's say they pull that off. They're five and two after the Hopkins game. I don't care which games they win out of that stretch of four, although it would be really nice to beat Maryland. You know, it'd be nice to go four and oh, but they're not going to do that. I don't think it's just too all these teams are just too good. And Syracuse is really young trying to figure things out. But, I mean, if they could get lucky and go 5-2 and two by the end of this stretch here, by the end of this seven-game stretch, then they're 6-2, and 7-2, and 8-2 and two, if they handle their business. I am by no means assuming Syracuse is going to beat Hofstra, St. Bonaventure, and Hobart. I do assume they're going to beat the Bonnies, Hobart, and Hofstra. They could give them some problems, and Hobart gave them problems last year. But, I mean, 5-2 and two heading into it, 6-2, and 7-2, and 8-2, and two, then heading into this absolutely brutal portion of the schedule to close the season against Notre Dame, Princeton, Carolina, Virginia, and Duke. They have Duke twice this season, which could present problems, you know, but you know, that's last year they had Virginia and Notre Dame twice last season. So last year they had the two best teams in the ACC twice. So they had to play four games against two of the best teams in the country last year. That's just a brutal thing to have to do. And you know, who knows the way the season shakes out this year, Duke, and Carolina could be, you know, two of the best teams in the ACC, but I think Virginia is overall. So the moral of the story is I like the makeup of the schedule better. If you look at last year, here's the flow of the schedule last year. And a team that's just not quite up to snuff in terms of talent, in terms of depth, in terms of leadership, this schedule set them up to fail, I believe. You've got Holy Cross to start the season, and holy shit, they beat the hell out of them. Then you got Maryland. They, they played admirably, admirably against Maryland, but boom, you go to number one and number two back-to-back, back, and then you got Army. So it's like you play a winnable game, then you play Killers. Then you play another winnable game, and then you play Hopkins, who's you know maybe not a killer anymore, but they were ranked, and they are traditionally a huge rival of Syracuse's. Then a winnable game, and then Duke and Notre Dame. And by this point here, they're getting killed. You know, you're what, one and three, two and three, uh, two and four, uh, three and four. You're four and four because you upset Duke at this point. But then you've got Notre Dame. So now you're four and five. Then you got Albany on the road, and they drop a bad one to Albany on the road. And then the wheels came off after that. Note, though, national runner up Cornell, they played them to overtime. Carolina, 
one goal game here. They played better against Virginia in the second game, and they played better against Notre Dame in the final game. But you look up here, they got just their dicks kicked in against Notre Dame, uh, 22 to six in the middle of the season here. And it, it was just, it didn't give them a chance to get any type of flow. And if, like I said, you look at the schedule this year, it's flow city, man. You're looking at three very winnable games uh, and then four really tough games. And then you're looking at three very winnable games and then you're getting into the gauntlet here. So if they could just split these middle, this middle stretch here, split the middle stretch and you could even go two and five over this final stretch or two and three over this final stretch here. Now you've got enough wins that you're at least have a five above 500 record and you might have been able to rattle off some really quality wins. The key is going to be they have to go 6-0 and against Vermont, Albany, and Holy Cross, and then they have to go, uh, included in that would be Hofstra, St. Bonaventure, and Hobart. They have to win those six non-conference games, and then if they lose to a Maryland and a Hopkins, but they're able to beat a you know Princeton, and uh, who was the other you know tough one? Yeah, I guess there wasn't. You know, so if they, you know, you don't have to win all your non-conference games, but this year more important than any season, uh, and last year would have helped too. They have to win those six that they are definitely supposed to win, and then Maryland and Princeton split against Maryland, Maryland and Princeton, and then as long as you don't drop all your ACC games, now you're with a winning record in the hunt for a playoff spot. Even if you're one of the first teams out, where last year they weren't even a consideration. Uh, if you come down here to the key games, key games, Maryland. First test of the year for this squad will come February 18th. And like I said, the first true test for this squad against the Blue Blood comes after they play three very winnable games before that. Then North Carolina, Hopkins, those happen all in succession. And then you got Virginia towards the end of the year. So I like the schedule overall. I like the flow of the schedule. I like their chances of finishing above 500. I'm not going to make any predictions anymore. Uh, maybe I will leading deeper into the season. But for right now, I'm not going to make a, hey, I think they're going to win this many games. I just want to say that I think this is a schedule that sets them up for success a lot more than last season's schedule did. And they need that, considering they have a very young team. Now, the next one that I want to talk about, another team that's near and dear to me, Cornell, sorry, had to get a drink for all you people just listening, hearing me slobber. Cornell, their schedule, the main thing here, they're void of the, the Syracuse game overall, but their schedule features 13 games with seven of them coming on the road, six coming at home. They open the season against Albany and will open Ivy League play on March 18th against Yale. Now, their schedule, very similar to Syracuse's, and I think theirs is even more favorable towards them here. You have Colgate. That's a very winnable game. Uh, actually, no, that's a scrimmage, so that one doesn't even count. Scrap that right off of it. Open with Albany, winnable game, Lehigh, winnable game, and then Hobart. So you end up starting with three games that, you know, Cornell with this team here. Listen, and, and that's not to say that especially Lehigh, I think Lehigh's probably the, you know, the better of these, although Lehigh's lost some guys to transfer, so I don't know. But I think these are three very winnable games for Cornell, and if we look at how they started last season, win against Albany, win against Lehigh, win against Hobart. So there's no difference here. And then that leads them into a tougher stretch here where now all of a sudden you have Ohio State, Penn State, Yale, and Penn. So very similar to Syracuse. Three winnable games to start the season. Then you have a gauntlet a little bit. Or actually, no, they start with four winnable. Yeah, three, sorry. 
I'm screwing up here. Three winnable games to start the season right here. That stupid scrimmage at the top is screwing me up. And then they, just like Syracuse, then they have a gauntlet of four very tough games against Ohio State, Cornell, Yale, or duh, Ohio State, Penn State, Yale, and Penn. Now, I like their chances against Ohio State's supposed to be really good this year. So I expect this to be a true dogfight. And if we look at what happened last year, Ohio State was hot coming into this game, and Cornell handled their business and beat them 14 to 11 in Ithaca. So this year, they're going to have to play that one on the road. And uh, that's going to be a huge game because I think Ohio State's going to be pretty tough this year. And I, I, I like Cornell's chances, though. I like Cornell to beat Ohio State, but like they said, first test. Now, Penn State, I don't know. I think that they're probably going to win this game as well. And then they get into their first, you know, what we would call brutal test against Yale. I do think Yale's going to be a little bit better than Ohio State will be this year, but we shall see. And uh, just like Syracuse, though, you start out three winnable games, you play the gauntlet, and I don't see, I don't think there's any chance that over these this gauntlet of four games here, ending with Penn, I think they at least go two and two over this stretch right here against these teams, and that puts them, like we said, in a good position where they they're five and two heading into. Dartmouth. That's a very winnable game. That makes them six and two heading into the end of the season, where now we're going to have Harvard, Marquette, Army, Brown, and Princeton. Now, I think they're going to take Marquette in a non conference game. So, like I said, you can see it's like, hey, easy, easier, pretty brutal. You get yourself a gimme in between the final stretch where, okay, now you got to play Harvard. Very winnable game for them as well, though. So it's almost like, okay, let's start this from the top. Easy, pretty brutal. Both winnable games for them. Actually, no, three winnable games for them leading into West Point, Brown, and Princeton. And then if we look at how they finished up here, win against Ohio State, win against Penn State, win against Yale. Then they had to lost to Penn win against Colgate, who they don't play this year, beat Dartmouth by a goal only. So, I mean, I'm talking about how that should be a really easy, winnable game for them, and it should be, but conference games can get hairy. They beat up on Harvard. No more Syracuse. So you can see their schedule makeup is very, very similar to what it was prior. I think it's the, the Marquette game that pretty much uh, includes Syracuse, but it has a similar flow. Winnable games broken up by a brutal part of the schedule, a couple winnable games, and then you get back into kind of the brutal part of the schedule again. New opponents, like we said, Marquette, teams drop Colgate and Syracuse. I'm not mad about that. Some Colgate and Cornell fans might be mad about ditching the Colgate-Cornell rivalry just because they're close in terms of proximity. I'm not, but very favorable schedule for Cornell. Not an easy schedule at all. They're going to play a bunch of really good teams here. If we come in, you know, the, the Ivy last year was really solid in their non-conference play, which I think they probably will be again this year just because I like how the Ivies match up. And I'm surprised that the Ivies haven't seen a bigger drop in terms of the quality of play due to losing a lot of talent. Like Yale, for instance, loses fake to freaking Notre Dame. Uh, Penn lost a bunch of guys to teams, but didn't matter. They still played tough lacrosse, so I think the schedule favors them overall for 2023, and you know this team, this Cornell team, is going to look very similar this year to what they looked like last year. So Cornell, one of my you know top five teams overall, I think, and I think that schedule is going to put them in a position to do well. I don't think they're going to run the, the gauntlet by any means on their schedule. I think you still see them lose maybe two to four games during the regular season, but they will make the NCAA tournament, I believe, and uh, they're going to make a, a decent run at it, I assume, into at least the quarterfinals. We'll see how that goes. Next one I want to talk about, fellow Ivy League team, Penn. 
and like, let's just kind of break it down. And this one's a little bit different in terms of the makeup because they just kind of went after it and they went after it right away last year and they're going to do the same this year. They go, they start the season out against Duke and George or against Georgetown and Duke. And you see, they did that last year and it did not hurt them. They started, they, they had a loss, two goal loss to G town. And then they have a overtime win against Duke. So it's like, Hey, let's throw ourselves to the wolves. See how we do. They went one and one over that stretch. And then you got Penn State winnable game last year. I think they what beat Penn State in by a goal, you know, very close game. Then you got St. Joseph. So it's like, hey, we got a couple of blue bloods here at the top. Georgetown and Duke are going to be very tough games. Penn State, despite the close game last year, I think is a game that they should win, an in-state rival. But I think they should win that game. So that's not bad. And then you got St. Joseph's, a solid team. St. Joseph's is not a give me win, but I like their chances of beating. St. Joseph's last year, they did not play St. Joseph's. No, they did. Last year, St. Joseph's took them to overtime as well. Um, so, yeah, Penn, you'll see here as we go into their old schedule, Penn kind of goes, you know, gives their fans heart attacks throughout the year. Villanova, very tough team this year, or last year. And uh, they be, they're, they're the ones that knocked uh, Denver out of the Big East tournament last year. So it's like, boom, you got Villanova, then you got Princeton, then you got Cornell, then you got Yale, Brown, Harvard, Dartmouth, and Albany. Very difficult schedule, I think, because I don't see too many gimmies. And the way they played last year, there wasn't a whole lot of gimmies for them. Georgetown and Duke are brutal. Penn State and St. Joseph's, they should beat them. And Villanova, they should beat them, but none of them are gimmies. Then you get into Princeton, Cornell, Yale, Brown, and Harvard. That is a brutal stretch of games right there, especially assuming that the Ivy doesn't drop too much and that all of the Ivies, once again, are tough and try to kill each other before you finish the season with Dartmouth and Albany heading into the uh, Ivy League tournament. No new opponents, no teams dropped. Key games here for Penn. Second year in a row, the Quakers will open the season up against Georgetown. Last season, Hoyas, uh, that doesn't even make sense there. Uh, but yeah, they lost to the Hoyas uh, 10-8. And then, like we said, they go right from the Hoyas up to Duke. And then uh, that's the next game here, as we see Duke. Uh, they'll play them. Then they got Princeton uh, opening up Ivy League play. They got Yale after that. So brutal schedule for Penn. But Penn's a very talented team, and I, I like the makeup of their team. But once again, you come into it, you've got to win the non-conference games. you know. And, and their non-conference schedule is as hard as it gets. Georgetown and Duke to start. Then you got Penn State, Saint, Penn State, St. Joseph's, and Villanova. None of them top-tier teams, but all of them decent lacrosse teams that you're going to have to play. And I think the real gimme games for them end up being Dartmouth and Albany. How did they fare against Dartmouth and Albany last year? Man, Dartmouth was tough last year. 16-12, and then uh, Albany 19-11. St. Joseph's, they kind of swap when they play them. Uh, this team, though, they really made their run in the Ivy League tournament here and then get the win over Richmond in the first round of the NCAA tournament before losing to Rutgers. So I fully expect Penn to have a pretty much finish up like they did last year. 11 and 5 seems like a pretty solid mark overall. Uh, I think it'd be what about 11 and, you know, what 9 and 4 in the regular season or so is what they would end up having to be. I think that's a pretty good region for them to be in and then it all comes down to what do they do in the Ivy League tournament for for Penn. And uh but yeah, that's the Penn schedule. I didn't bring up Denver's uh, Denver lacrosse schedule. We're going to bring their – I want to bring their actual schedule up from 2023 or 2022. 
so we can compare that. Okay, so let's look at the Pios here. Pios, the dumbest Big East team in the game. How do you have a team in Denver playing in the Big East? But, you know, that's an argument. That's a discussion for another day here. Down year for the Pios, 9-6 and six overall, 4-1 and one in Big East play. They saw their season ended by Villanova in the Big East tournament in the semis. This year, it's going to be a rough one for them again here. I, you know, they, they lose Jungle Jack Hanna who's now playing in the PLL and tearing it up in the NLL. So that's pretty dope for Jungle Jack Hanna. But, uh, you know, Denver's got a lot of guys now on this roster that have to prove themselves. They're they're without, you know, apparent All-Americans almost across the board here. So Denver against Utah to start the season. Uh, I, I think that Denver, once again, a winnable game for them. So you start with Utah and Air Force. But both, if we look at the schedule last year here, Utah, they won by a goal and Air Force 13 to 9. So even no matter what happens, Utah is going to come to play in this game. I think this one's kind of like the Syracuse Army rivalry used to be where, listen, Syracuse is getting up for this game. Army, though, every year coming to play in the Dome, I think always was a little bit more up than Syracuse. And I think that's going to be like this type of rivalry here. Utah is always going to be a little bit more up than Denver for this game just because Denver is the traditionally better team. Utah, the young upstart that showed a little bit of promise here and there. But, yeah, two winnable games to start the season before you then play Duke at home. So that's a good one for them. And they fare well against Duke in the regular season. Last year, Duke beat them 19-10, to not so much last year. And then I want to say Duke might have beat them up in 2021 as well. What happened in 2021 with Duke? Lost by two to Duke in 2021. So that's rough. They don't have Jacksonville on the schedule this year, so that's a little bit different. Then you got a very winnable game against Merrimack before playing North Carolina, uh, and then Yale, Ohio State, Georgetown, Nova. Like this, this is a very tough schedule overall for Denver. And what I don't like is it looks a lot like Syracuse's schedule last year: two winnable games, Duke. Uh, and not that Duke's not winnable, but these are games they should win. And then you've got Duke, which is a toss-up. Then you got a winnable game, Carolina, Yale, Ohio State, Georgetown. You know, that's brutal. Villanova, winnable, but league rival. And they're the team that beat you last year. You, you Denver beat Villanova in the regular season, I think, by a goal or two. We'll look. And then they get ousted by Villanova. So, I mean, it's like it doesn't get easy after that. You know, the only winnable games – the games that they should absolutely win, you would say, uh, on the schedule once they get past this initial stretch here, uh, Towson, St. John's, Providence, Marquette, you know, Big East play, but those aren't games that are going to get you a whole lot of clout in terms of making the NCAA tournament. So I feel like, A, the schedule out of conference is pretty tough when you're looking at teams like Duke, Carolina, Yale, Ohio State. Georgetown as you get into league play. I mean, this is a tough schedule again for them. And I think that it just looking at it based on what I know about Denver's roster at this point, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for them to make the NCAA tournament. Their only hope, I think, of pretty much making the NCAA tournament would be, A, you get lucky, you beat everybody non-conference on your schedule, including Duke, Carolina, and Yale and Ohio State. Take all those non-conference games, and then what you do in your conference, maybe not, uh, maybe it's not quite as important as long as you only lose, let's say, to Georgetown. Uh, but I think realistically, they're not going to win all those non-conference games, and they're going to pretty much have to win their tournament to get themselves into the NCAA tournament. I, I don't see, if they don't win their conference tournament, I think there's almost no chance for Denver. If we look at what they did last year, 
lost to Duke, lost to Jacksonville, who's not on the schedule anymore. Oh, hey, you beat Canisius only, though, to turn around and lose to Carolina, lose to Yale. They beat Ohio State. That was a big win for them. Um, but then you get waxed by Georgetown in Denver, nonetheless. You beat Villanova. You beat up on, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, sure, you beat up on St. John's, you beat up on Providence, and you beat up on Marquette, but then you turn around and lose to Villanova in your conference tournament by a goal. So it's like, man, I don't see Denver's record getting much better than what it was last year. I think this seems pretty reasonable for a 2023 outcome, and I think the chance of making the NCAA tournament is slim to none unless they win their conference tournament. And th- and they could do that, you know? That Denver, you got a legendary coach over there, and they are bringing in some solid talent. It's just you're playing a, br- a pretty tough non-conference schedule mixed with the fact that your conference, in terms of quality wins, is not going to give you much of anything. So I think that's like, uh, handle your business, uh, handle your non-conference business, and, and at least split that win out even with a Georgetown loss, uh, you know, go four and one in the regular season in the ace, uh, Big East again, and then you really got to win that conference tournament. I mean, I don't even think getting to the finals is going to be enough to get them in. It could be, but they're going to have to, you know, pull a decent upset against one of these solid teams. But all right, guys, I've rambled long enough here. I don't want to talk too too long. Uh, about anymore. We're going to do some other schedules here. I'm waiting for some other Big Ten teams and some other Big East or uh, ACC team schedules to come out, and we'll probably throw another video together. One team that I did want to talk about, and I'll talk about in the next video, is Michigan. I like what Michigan did with their schedule. I don't know how that how it will pan out for them, but I like that it looks like they're dodging people a little bit less and putting some other tough games on their schedule, leaning into uh the 2023 season, I've always chirped them for doing really well early in the season. Zawada put up a shit ton of points last year early in the season, and then they got to the conference portion of their schedule in a couple of the non-conference games and got brought back down to reality. I like that they're going to test themselves a little bit earlier in the season this year, and that'll be interesting to see. But that's all. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. As always, go to laxfactor.com. Support us by buying some merch and things like that. And then I will be back next weekend for... Face-off guys. We're going to do the all-American list for the face-off guys. I'm going to talk about three guys. I'm going to try, I'm going to talk about the three guys that I think will eat the top three spots. First team, second team, and third team. All the other positions I did first team only, but because face-off guys gives us a little bit more room uh, to play with. I'm going to talk about the three top face-off guys that I think are going to produce in 2023 and end up grabbing those top three All-American spots. So as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'll put out a bunch of shorts throughout this week here, uh, both highlight related and a couple, maybe even we'll do a couple of the schedule reviews uh, in the in shorts uh, on TikTok, Instagram, and on YouTube. So watch for that as I try to put more and more shorts out, try to give you a little bit more content, not even just highlight related, but I'm going to try to keep the shorts me still uh, talking about lacrosse and crap like that. So that's it. I'm going to shut the hell up and let you guys get on with your Sundays. Thank you for your support, and Hoost is out. The Lax Factor Podcast.